Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Streaming box technology and business rundown. Welcome to this month's Screaming Box Technology and Business Rundown podcast. I'm your host, Dave Erickson, along with my co-host, Botan Sedesh. For this month's podcast, we've invited Chris LaFerla, the founder and CEO of Tatum, a B2B software company redesigning how work gets done. Tatum's first product was one of the simplest project management platforms on the planet and is a radically different approach to project and task management. Chris started his career as an investment banker at Barclays, covering internet and software, Prior to Tatum, Chris co-founded his first company, an online marketplace for interior designers, and was an early employee of FAIR working on strategy and finance. Today, we're going to talk about project and task management strategies and techniques and how to apply them to real-world business solutions. So, Chris, welcome. Is there uh, anything you'd like to add to your bio? No, not at all. Just thank you for having me. I, I appreciate the intro, and thank you for asking me to be on the podcast. All righty. Well, I guess the first obvious question uh, is Tatum. What influenced you or what motivated you? Uh, most business ideas, uh, good ones, are usually come from the fact that you're trying to do something and there isn't a current solution that is good, and so you create one. Uh, is that kind of what you did with Tatum, or did it come from a different uh, No, space? absolutely. Um, so after leaving FAIR, remember that I, I started my career in finance, so no like formal product management experience. Um, I didn't even know what a task management platform really was outside of trying to pitch to represent them from investment making on IPOs for like Asana back in the day. Um, but we, when I went to FAIR, um, I first got exposure to them, seeing how kind of the product team work, worked on some product features there. Then when I started my own company, right, it was kind of trial by fire. Of course, I started leaning into a very product-heavy role. Um, and it was there that we used Asana. I experimented. I tried Trello, um, Jira, kind of all the main players in that space. Um, and then we were using those for our traditional engineering, task management, project management, issue tracking, bugs, et cetera. But we were also, I was also the COO of that company. It was called Companion. And I would do all of our legal, accounting, ops, hiring, you know, basically myself, a lot of those um, hiring, obviously, we did with my co-founders. But it was through that experience that I realized how much I hated the, especially operations role, like tasks, like managing, hiring an individual was so manual. I had to print out the offer letter or, you know, go into Microsoft Word, edit it, send it out to them via DocuSign. Um, then I'd have to do the same thing with the CIIAA agreement, confidential information, IP assignment agreement, and then IP tech assignment agreement and all these different things. And I thought there has to be a better way, especially for these ops flows. And so that's what Tatum was when he started out is how a compliance management platform that managed especially all these back office and ops and marketing and finance, all these teams that don't use task management platforms right now. How could you make their lives better? And as it evolved, we started to see teams liked our UX and UI so much. We're a very design different team and how we thought about simplicity and radical simplicity in building this product that they were using it, yes, for those, but also for general task management for their engineering, for their product, building software, building consumer products, whatever it might be. And so we took a step back and said, actually, let's build a base platform and let's let users do kind of whatever they want. So that's kind of the story of how Tatum started. 
when you started Tatum, you know, you had kind of a kernel of an idea. How did you take that kind of kernel of an idea and, and actually turn it into uh, the initial MVP and platform? Yeah. Um, I definitely had the idea, okay, what would it look like for an operating system for ops, essentially, right? And at the base of that was a task management platform. So I then looked and, of course, looked at the other products that I'd used, but I truly didn't love any of those either, right? Like the Asanas, the Trellos, the Lint Jiras, etc. Uh, I think they're great Monday base camp, but I think that they were, for me and for our team, a little too complex. Like, for, again, coming from someone who had never used one coming from a finance career and had used in finance the way that people manage tasks is essentially inbox zero in Outlook, right? We had very limited tools that we were allowed to use. So like you got emails, that email essentially was a to-do and you worked on that email and then you don't archive it until you were done. And that's how investment banking, management consulting, private equity, law to my understanding, like all of those careers are like 30 years behind in terms of how they're managing kind of tasks and projects. And so I loved the initial exposure to project management platforms, but I thought they should be like so intuitive. My mom, who is not very tech savvy, is in her 50s. She should be able to like immediately come onto one of these platforms and just understand how it works, create tasks. It should be able to help anyone. And I don't think any of them were that simple. And a lot of them also felt, you know, like they were designed 10, 20 years ago because a lot of them were designed 10, 20 years ago and they've been iterated and are, you know, doing great but I thought we could build a better base version. So I started out with, okay, how could I reinvent just the process of just tasks, right? Like managing tasks. And obviously you're going to need projects and how does that work? And that's where we started. And then we went to the next set of how are we going to design out how these automated workflows, we call them template tasks. They're not even released yet. It won't even be public for a couple more months because they're pretty complex for the automated workflows. Then we started thinking about, well, I would love to see metrics. Our team would love to see metrics. It doesn't exist in the other platforms. How can we, how can we create metrics that matter? So it really started with just the base and like me drawing it out on like, I carry around a sketch pad, like an artist sketch pad everywhere I go. And I literally like draw everything. I'm not a product designer by trade either. Um, but then I usually put them into Figma. And then um, depending on the stage of Tatum, I either designed them myself in the early days. We had a contractor designer in the early days. Her name was Taylor. She was awesome. She helped in the early days. And then now we have Thomas, who um, is an incredible product designer. He's very young, but very talented. And he obviously now kind of takes my ideas and translates them and now comes up with his own ideas too. For us, we're agnostic to the product management platforms. Our clients usually use one. Uh, and then they say we use mostly it's, uh, you know, Jira or uh, Trello or something like that. Um, so, so and our developers, you know, like Botan has a fairly wide experience using them. But we tend to use them really for development processes. And, and I definitely would love, we, we use Trello for some of our operations and marketing. Uh, we use uh, Notion a little bit. Uh, but we use them in very limited, simple ways uh, to help facilitate this task management. And, and I think for a lot of people who are in the operations side of a business, uh, yeah, there definitely needs to be something really simple because, you know, nobody has time to learn, you know, Jira to basically do uh, some basic, you know, marketing functions or something yeah. like that. I, I don't know. Botan, on, on the developer side, can you talk a little bit about your experiences with these project management platforms. And I'm sure you have at least one or two feelings about various ones. 
Uh, <laughs> and so I'd be kind of curious what, what your experience is of them. Yeah, I can bet on that, Dave. I mean, from a developer uh, side <laughs> of things, I kind of experienced all of the big ones, like uh, Trello, Jira, and now the up-and-coming um, Azure DevOps. Yep, that's the one. So basically all of them do the same thing, right? We have tasks and we can log hours on that task. And of course we can have estimations linked to other tasks, uh, epics, mm, I don't know, whatever we want basically, bug reports, and we can add documents. But they all do it just differently enough that you can switch from one platform to the other <laughs> easily. So all of them, for some reason, are uh, seem to be built for someone who is essentially a secretary to the developer. So none of these platforms are built to be used by the devs themselves. Um, at least that's the feeling that I get when I use any of these platforms. They're all built like uh, every single developer in the office, right, has their own secretary who just deals with this platform. And that's completely unrealistic. At least that's what I think. Uh, I think, I believe, uh, Chris, you had similar feelings when you started working with these platforms that they just take... Yeah, very similar. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Uh, so it seems to take a lot of time just to even use the platform, yeah. right? And yeah, then so if you're uh, you're new to those platforms, I think it takes a lot of time to just get caught up, right? Like if you if you know how to use Jira, then the process of learning Asana, yes. But if you're brand new to them, which every year you know hundreds of thousands of college grads and people switching jobs from roles that didn't use them to them are, it is not a log into you know, one of those platforms and create your first task. It's like, a, let's have an onboarding session for a couple hours and explain to you how this works. And then we're gonna go from there. And I, I didn't think that should be the case. I was just gonna say that I totally agree with that sentiment. And I think it's great that somebody's finally not trying to offer an even more complicated solution to task management, like SAP, for example, that's a great one. It has, that, it has management for everything from you know, electricity costs to tasks to ops to uh, engineering to uh, HR, whatever you want. But everything is designed to fit every scenario, and it gets inherently insanely complex. Why are our metrics not in a lot of the the product management, task management software? And why do you think that they're so important? Yeah, I think. What what kind of metrics are do you think are relevant? to tasks and, and project management? Yeah, I think it's really hard. So again, I don't want to say any of these platforms. I think they're all great. And I think it's a ton of work. Any founder building anything, I have like the utmost respect. It's so hard to take an idea as we're talking about, draw it on a napkin or however all these products started. And then you go design it, you build it, you listen to thousands of people tell you it's never going to work. No one's going to do that. And you push through that for years and years and years. And then you have a successful business. People forget that, you know, these products were not launched. The founders of Atlassian, I'm sure, did not like come up with the product and every team in the world just started using it. It takes tens of years to build these types of businesses. Um, and to that point, metrics are really hard to get right, right? Because you're trying to tell the, the team, how can we make you more efficient? How can we first, the first layer of any metric, 
coming from my finance background is you can't manage what you don't measure. So if you're not seeing how long a task is taking you to complete or how long it's taking each person who's been assigned it or what the blockers are, you can't actually improve those. So right now, I think there's a huge opportunity just to do that, which Tatum is, I think, we're working on very hard in these coming features. Again, none of these are live yet, but in the coming months. Um, And so that's one. And then two is it's even, you need to be specific with them to then make those metrics matter even more. You need to be able to take and say, not just, oh, this task took 10 hours to complete. Well, that's not very relevant. But like if you said, well, this task is an engineering task. It took 10 hours to complete. Here's the assignees that were on this task. Here's how long it took each person. And here's maybe using AI or just eventually building features around this. Here's where the blocker was. Like here's where like one person like was assigned to it for like 14 hours. And like, why was that? And like, giving those types of analytics and metrics back to the teams in really, again, simple ways. Because all the platforms, you can get this and they download automated reports and you have a huge Excel spreadsheet and things like that. But that's not the same as, you know, KPIs that quickly flash to the teams and to the employees themselves, the team members themselves. They need to be able to see and understand these really intuitively because they're the ones who we're going to try to work to improve their behavior through showing them positive metrics of saying, hey, this you did a really great job here. Look, this you're doing better than the team on average in these areas. So I think that's kind of how I think about it um, in terms of breaking down every single detail and then listening to users because we're experimenting ourselves and trying to figure out what matters the most of, okay, how, how are we able to quantitatively improve the output and efficiency of a team? So, Botan, if you were running a bunch of developers to develop something, what kind of metrics would you want to see for task management? I mean, what, what do you think is important for developers as a, as a metric? Because I think Chris brought up a, a very important point. They don't have a lot of metrics, but some of the metrics are really kind of hard to figure out. What do you think, you know, for a development team? Oh, that's a tough one. So uh, about metrics and developments, I, I do take quite a strong stance uh, saying that most of the metrics we use today are just uh, useless. Yeah, they seem terrible. Like uh, some companies seem to use metrics like lines of codes per day. Like what? Why? Or per hour or whatever. Yeah, literally useless. Uh, but some of the metrics, as you said, Chris, blockers are definitely something I would love to log. And uh, uh, they could be really, really useful to, to have at least in the list you know, to go through, like, these were the uh, problem points, let's say, and the developments on or solving this task, so that later on we can go back and uh, see why this task took so long and why we spent so much uh, time, energy, and money to develop this piece of software, which inherently is going to be wrong <laughs> in a month's time, because that's how development works. And then we can then improve the process of querying the uh, either the product owner or the client, right? So then you can uh, improve the process of uh, mm, essentially reviewing the task before it is assigned to anyone. I think that's the biggest thing we, as a collective of developers, we need to improve is accountability and. Uh, the way we can get to that is by having uh, clear-cut requirements and clear-cut goals. And any kind of metric that uh, seeks to improve that, 
think would be great. So one of the metrics I would love to introduce is uh, acceptance conditions. So number of acceptance conditions for, for a given task, right? Because one task may have just one, you know, like make this PC turn on. That's an easy ops task or uh, restart this server or put an extra stick of RAM in whatever. But then uh, front-end dev may have like 20 conditions on a single task, like this button has to fit next to that button and also has to be under this uh, paragraph of text, but it has to fit on the small screen as well as on the large screen. So I think that could be an awesome metric, but that's, uh, that's coming from my limited experience. I, I agree. And I think that's where it comes in the difficulty. And that's why I don't think we've seen uh, yet really success here from any of them is you have to thread the needle of like what's what's possible from the data that the task management and project management platform has because you don't want to what you definitely don't want to do in my opinion is like ask the devs to like put information in because then you're just going back to what the number one problem which is this should be super simple this platform should be like slack it should be like you click into a task you add a description at a task what is it to do doing done just like tatum works off to the races you're actually doing the work but at the same time, you want to provide meaningful metrics. You don't want to say, you completed 138 tasks today. Like, that, that doesn't, well, what was the task? Send an email, like draft email, like review email. Were those three separate tasks? Or was each task, um, you know, develop a new front end of the button that we use across every page of our 150 marketing pages on, you know, our, on our web app. Um, so you need to, you need to, provide meaningful metrics, but also meaningful metrics with the limited data that these task management platforms have, which is sort of agnostic of what the task is. Um, and so I think that's the challenge. And I think that's what we're kind of discussing a lot and thinking about internally. And I know I think about this a lot is how can I show things like blockers, which I can probably do that based on inferring like, oh, it was assigned to Botan for an hour, assigned to me for an hour, and then assigned to this guy, John, for 40 hours. Like, something went wrong when it was assigned to John for 40 hours. Even just like highlighting that, if you're doing 100 tasks a week or 1,000 if you're a bigger team, those are helpful. So starting with things like that and then building of like, okay, now we have, you know, who, who held the task the longest? This is going to be helpful. Who, how fast is a person even replying to comments on a task? That just shows engagement into the task management platform. That's helpful because a lot of these platforms, again, the devs hate them. The, the PMs hate them. Like I'm the PM essentially. I hate using them. So it's like, I'm not really super engaged. And sometimes I'm like, eh, like if I'm using another platform. So how can you show that your team is organized in, in things like that? So that's where we're starting anyway. Chris, I really don't mean to interrupt you or anything, but uh, I, I feel like for the benefit of our listeners, we should point out that uh, seeing who uh, a task was assigned to and how long is still not a feature of many of these uh, big name task management platforms. That's why you keep yeah. mentioning it. And that's yeah, huge. Really? Yeah, it's crazy. Like uh, you just see that hey, somebody worked on this task for 40 hours. It has been assigned to five people for how long? Nobody knows. <laughs> that's, and those that's metrics, again, are buried in reports. They should be, I don't know if you guys play video games, but they should be like in Overwatch, where I can quickly, or Call of Duty, or Halo, where I, those, those in, in other industries, video games have done an incredible job of showing meaningful metrics that they collect naturally and showing them back to the user and being like, okay, 
I played this game for 27 days worth of hours over the past two years. Probably I'm playing way too much video games from that metric. Um, I, I played 30 games and over those games, here's my trend of performance. So that's where a lot of my inspiration comes from a lot is to, to Botan's point is like, I think they lag hugely from like what's capable of these things that you would imagine are collected are not even collected. And if they are collected, they're shown in a way that no one is using them. They need to be like fun to like look at my metrics. You need to gamify them in a way that you want the devs, the PM, the teams, the managers going, hey, let's go to the metrics page. And it feels intuitive. And again, my mom should be able to go in and be like, oh, Chris, I understand what these mean. Not looks like there were 36 blockers on if you download this report we're going to show you the minute by minute breakdown of who held the task and then you can make your own analytical decisions from that you know we're not trying to provide this to private equity analysts or data scientists people have slightly different you know uh needs so example for business owners or for myself i'm really focused on you know efficiency right so i want to know from the the development team What's the velocity? Are, are we moving fast enough? Uh, you know, the project managers are probably looking at, okay, is, is the development moving in such a way that we meet the milestones and that things are getting done? And, and that way, and, and they need to see it quickly, right? And they need to see it in a way that's easy to access. Yeah, I think having someone dig through reports is never a good solution. Um, and, you know, I, I was in the esports uh uh, industry for almost 15 years. So I totally get the, the metrics thing. I mean, I, gamers were obsessing. Oh, I, I only were making, I was making only seven kills per minute. I need to up that to 10 kills per Why minute. Why is my right? kill death I mean, ratio only 0.9 here on these maps? Is it because of my methodology? <laughs> yep. There's a obsession in gaming around like analyzing what are actually incredibly yeah. simple metrics, but using those. And I think that I hope in five years time, you know, people are teams around the world are using Tatum to do similar things to that, where it's like, oh, look how how efficient we are, because our tasks on average with this difficulty and this engineering, they're taking us two hours, they used to be taking us three and a half hours, and here's why. So I think that's very exciting and kind of a big milestone, and I think how Tatum can really help increase efficiency, productivity, and make work fun, which is kind of like one of our taglines, um, because of the design and the aesthetic and the simplicity for, for really employees everywhere. You know, one of the, the aspects of project management and task management, and I, I need I need task management. I have so many different tasks I have to do. My task management is usually a pad of paper, and I'm writing down all the different things I need to do. And, the you know, it's, it's quicker and easier to do that than to load up a program and type it in, right? Uh, you know, but the problem is nobody can read my, my, my notes, and it's just for me. And I have to eventually get them in, so I usually have to go back and load them into Trello or Notion or whatever. One of the things I've noticed in a lot of these is a, a bunch of tasks are, are, I wouldn't say repetitive, but are similar in nature. Can you give me your thoughts a little bit on the role that AI might have in task management and project management? And if you're going to implement AI, what would be kind of the things you would be looking to use AI to do uh, in project management or task management? Yeah, so it's going to go right back to metrics for the first start of that is eventually, um, how can you start to train based on the data being collected that then you can be more intelligent in the beginning, it's definitely going to start for Tatum anyway as 
here's just a very actionable log of here's an understanding of how long tasks are taking, how long team members take to view a task, etc. But then how can you eventually have AI that can say, actually, Chris on your team is a little bit less efficient, like overall, based on these outputs. You know, maybe he's not doing a phenomenal job. Maybe you need to talk to him because we can predict or see what the causation is there. I think that's incredibly meaningful. I think before even AI, just in terms of automation, again, there's a long way to go of like our automated workflows for anything from setting up a one-on-one, building a roadmap. Again, templates in these other task management platforms, they mean how do you want to set up your board? Because there's so much complexity in these products, do you want to use your board this way? Because that's going to be, you're going to need to customize it completely different than if you want to use it this way. In Tatum, there is inherent simplicity in the way the product works. So our templates are actually, do you want to um, set up a performance review? And it like automates that. Sends out calendar invite to person. You know, person now has recurring calendar invite. You have the agenda set. Just things like that in automation. And then eventually, like, and now we're talking for Tatum. I, you know, I haven't even thought of this. So this is... <laughs> way down the road, but I mean, it'd be amazing if you could have AI just complete a lot of those, right? Where it's like, oh, we noticed that Chris has a busy schedule today, so we moved that task there. We noticed that Botond is way too much on his plate, so we redistributed his workflow. We actually split his workflow with this other, you know, member of the team who's also an engineer, and we he had an empty plate. So, you know, there's limitless applications. So I hear a lot from VCs or or CEOs even, and they're like, well, why are you building project management? Like, you know, of all the things you could be building, like, we have Monday. We have, like, Jira, we have Trello, and we have Basecamp, like the originator in this space. And it's like, A, if you think of Basecamp, and then you had Jira, and then Trello, and then Asana, and then I don't know if Monday was before, and then etc. you can see that actually you're constantly having innovative players come and capture a huge market space. And then B, just think about in 20 years in the future, do we think that every team in the world is still going to be using Jira to like manage their engineering? Like, Personally, I hope not. Like, I hope that there has been a radical, like, revolution of, like, a product that teams actually love using, where they're passionate. They're spending hours a day doing this, and it it shouldn't be a slog to do that. It should be a magical experience. You should look forward to to the tools that you use at work. And I think we're having that, I think Slack started that revolution of, like, wow, work software doesn't need to be um, my Zoom. We used to use an investment banking, like, uh, Skype's chat messenger, which was horrible. And it's, like, that was, like right? Like an outlook, like these tools did not inspire joy. And now you have this idea of like, actually Slack is fun, like, and Slack makes our teams more efficient. And I have fun doing it. How can you do that for task management? How can you do that for collaborative email? How can you do that? Like, that's how I think about Tatum's roadmap. The automation of tasks is really, you know, I think is going to be a make, it's a real value add to any kind of project management. Because especially if there's some AI that can kind of learn what you normally set up and then kind of just take it over because a lot of it's pretty repetitive. Uh, the things that you do and the things that you set up in, in project management. Um, I mean, even to the point where you can say starting a new uh, mobile app development for native iOS and the project management software just set up a whole bunch of initial stuff that has to get done that normally has to get done in every project, right? And may assign it to different people depending on who's on the team. And there's a lot of opportunity to increase the productivity of workflows uh, if it's done right. And I think your philosophy of, it, it's a really tricky philosophy that you've chosen. 
to keep it simple, but at the same time, add a real depth to what it's doing. And I think that uh, some of the areas you're going to find AI is going to have to be worked into that to make yeah. it happen. I wish I could share my screen just to show you, like, we focus so we haven't even built like any of a lot of these features into production builds because we've been so focused on just the base architecture, right? Like to accomplish any of this, to your point, you need to first be super simple on just how task management works way more simple, 10 X more simple than any other platform. It needs to be intuitive that if Dave, I sent you a link, you join, you're like, Oh, I immediately, I click my first task. I'm off to the races. I understand how this works. I have to do doing done. I can put it in the archive. I can create a project. That's it. And then, then building, with that same level of radical focus on simplicity, these complex features, right, that you're breaking down, where it's you're taking metrics and how can you make them a hundred times simpler? You're taking um, eventually automated workflows, eventually AI. How do you make those simple to the user? And it kind of always reminds me of that Mark Twain quote. I think it's Mark Twain, maybe Oliver. Yeah, let's just say Mark Twain, um, where it's like, I didn't have the time to write you a short message, so I wrote you a long message. Like I do the same in product, which is like it's really easy to build something super complex and just ship that and be like, all right, like we'll, we're going to do onboarding for a thousand dollars that we're going to charge these teams to teach them how to use our product. It's really hard to say, but how could we make it so simple, so simple that you don't even need a sales team. You just like log in and you're off to the races and it would work for anyone. Now you're starting to get into a, a more design philosophy of software a lot of software, I think, is designed inherently from the beginning to be too complex because they're trying to do too much uh, and they're trying to add every bell and whistle that they could, thinking that, that the value of the product is how much it can do and they're not focusing on the value of the product is how easy it is to do something. I mean, obviously, development companies are more than happy to say, hey, put as many features as you want. We'll, we'll build them all. We'll build you and Add build them more all. features, actually. But this doesn't have enough features. Let's build that roadmap. More features. You'll, you'll guys. Exactly. I think it was one of the heads of product at Adobe or maybe chief product officer who was saying the, the cycle of any given industry is simple product comes out. That is simple. Customers come to simple product. Simple product needs to listen to the power users who are the ones paying for them and build all these types of features. And it loses what made it simple because they don't think they don't have the same focus on making those new features as radically simple as the core product. And then five years go by and simple product is no longer a simple product. It's a very complex product. New simple product comes in and like the cycle just constantly repeats. And I think that's where you see most software companies. And then you see the great software companies who, let's say Apple, as you know, just the, the easiest example there, of being radically focused on actually constantly simplifying even existing features and not being afraid of telling users, oh, actually, like we're redoing how that works. We're refocusing again, back to the basics, back to the basics, back to the basics. And a lot of people, I think, give them, um, you know, they get a little bit of shade or, um, you know, uh, people say, oh, well, they're not like innovating as much. Actually, it's really hard to just, do what they're doing because it's it's just everything works mentality. So I very much um, believe in those for like designing software in general and especially work-based software like task management platforms. Yeah, but I even see this philosophy in like websites, right? People try to put so much into a website and they lose focus. What are you trying to get the user? What journey are you taking yeah. the user on, right? Uh, what what do you want the person visiting your website to do? 
and they're trying to do everything and so the website becomes useless because it's too complex and too hard they don't understand why they're not converting visitors and why you know they're getting all these issues related and it's usually that of complexity who would have known that if we have seven ctas for our user to click on and we have seven different journeys they're not going to click any of them. You know what I mean? I, I totally agree with you. And I've seen this many times where it's like the simpler, the better, especially in, in websites and, and pretty much everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, Henry Ford kind of started the trend. Uh, you could buy a Model T in any color that's black, right? He made it very simple. You just buy there. There's only one. You buy it, and that's it. And the process was very simple, and it was great for starting and building a large business. Then later, everyone came in with different models and different colors, and then it became more complex. You know, Tesla kind of went back a little bit to that model. We have a car. We have an electric car. You know, you can order it in one or two ways, and that's it. And yep. that's fine, right? Um, and, and I think that the product designers need to think about it. They also need to think about it in terms of task management and project management. Am I designing a product that is so complex we're going to need a huge project management system that's going to be very complex to use to build it? Or are we designing a product that's simple enough that we could use a very simple product management system and be really efficient, yeah. right? Uh, I'm sure in your own development of Tatum, you've uh, experienced some of this as well. But, you know, I, I want to kind of go back to this this question of, you know, what is that balance between simple and useful? Like, it, you know, or maybe usable is a better word, right? You can make something really simple, but it's not very usable because it's so narrow, how do you make something simple that's very usable because it does the things that are needed? Can you talk a little bit about what that balance is? I'm sure you struggle yeah. with it when you guys are We struggle with it all the time because every time, every time you meet a new – well, first off, in the, in the very beginning, I think you still need to have enough optionality and customization that there are certain platforms, like Trello is a great example. Trello is the most simple platform. It's essentially just a to-do, like a scrum board, like a Kanban board, and then like sticky notes. And it's like, can't really get more simple than that. But as a result, uh, it lacks some of the complexity that is needed. And they never really like work to build that. And they did that by design. So I actually think Trello is like one of my favorite examples of existing task management software. Um, but if you want to have the ability and optionality for a team to say, oh, it's as simple as Trello, but has the depth of a, a Jira or has the depth of a, an Asana or the depth of a Monday, it comes into thinking incredibly hard about every single individual feature and then testing them with users over and over and over again. And many times taking months or not, doesn't need to be time, but many cycles and many iterations on that individual feature. So something as simple as like comments. You know, there's comments and we're using um, Riverside, which I've never heard of before today to record this podcast. And I see like a basic comment thread. You think comments are very simple. It's in every modern product for collaboration today, but it's actually not right. How can you make it even simpler? Do I need to see the status log of like the automated updates when the task was created in the comment thread? Or is that just noise? Should that be its own section? And if it is its own section, how do you make it clear to the user that it is its own section? How do you make the process of, of just assigning a task, which is 
you know, 1990s, like, came out as that idea of, like, how to assign it. How do you make that simpler? How do you make the process of creating a, a project really simple? And so it's not necessarily keeping the product without that depth or those expanded features. It's about radically focusing on them so that you're not, you, okay, we built the base architecture, now we need to add all these features, and, like, we're just going to add them in, but actually taking the time every time you design something to take a look back and say, like, what is that a really simple way to like create and manage a task from to do doing done, you know, and then archived. And so for us, it came to dog fooding. Like the day that Tatum was even barely, it was not usable. We started using it and radically use our own product for thousands of hours already. And then listen to our own feedback and then listen to customers feedback and then parse out, okay, this user wants us to add new features. Actually, we don't listen to that a lot. Like, sometimes we're like, no, like, we're not going to add those new features, maybe ever, and we're definitely not going to do it now. And that's hard, because you're, like, listening to a team who's like, I would use your product if you add these, and then you're saying, no, we're not going to add those. Like, you're not maybe our ideal customer profile, or we don't have the time dedicated right now to to make subtasks radically simple. So we're going to hold off on that, and we'll come to it in the future, maybe. Um, and I think that's that's the needle that you have to thread as a product designer, as a product owner, product manager, um, founder, where you, to keep your product in that simple state and to keep it in a magical UX flow and to work towards that, um, you kind of have to sometimes thread the needle like, oh, actually, we're not going to build that. Like saying no is more important than saying yes. You know, some people are really good at making decisions and some people aren't. I mean, there are people I've watched it where they're sitting in a parking lot for four minutes trying to figure out which open parking spot they want to put their car in, right? Whereas some people just drive into the parking lot, oh, there's an open spot, I'll yeah. park there, yeah. right? And, and and it's kind of the same with, you know, the feature sets and and project management. I mean, I struggle learning new platforms because, you know, I, I'm trying to do so many different things to learn a new platform. You know, they aren't intuitive and in how many different options, even my phone, right? I, I have a phone. I don't upgrade my phone very often because the fact of the matter is I'm using 5% of all the features yeah. on the phone. I use it to make phone calls. I use it to read and make some text messages, and I browse the Internet with it. Any other features that are in the phone, I just don't use them. I don't have time to learn them. I don't. My life doesn't revolve around it. It's simpler to keep it really simple. I could use a very simple phone, be perfectly happy with it. Uh, my wife knows every feature of the phone and uses it for everything. And I, you know, that's just not how I I can do it. So everyone has differences. And I think with project and task management, you kind of hit the nail on the head there on, on you know what is what you're doing, what what's your focus. And I think the simplicity thing will make it easier to to grow your user base uh, because people just don't have time to learn all these complex yeah. systems. Well, I'm hoping. I hope some of the listeners here try Tatum. I hope you try Tatum, Dave. Yeah. Well, we will certainly there give it go. a try, and uh, I'm sure that uh, Botan will give it a try, and he has a, he's a, a man of strong opinions, so I, I'm looking Negative forward to his opinion on this. Negative feedback is even more helpful than positive feedback, Botan, so send it across. <laughs> Well, it looks cool. I think that, like you said, there's this cycle. Simple gets complex, and then somebody new comes along with simple. Um, and, and I think the concept of simple is really important nowadays. And, uh, you know, it's the problem that these other companies have is it's very hard to go backwards. Yeah. Right? Once you make a complex product, it's really hard because, to go backwards. Because, and, and that's, going back to I respect these companies so much, I'm confident that, they could design incredible 
iterations, but now they have millions of paying users or hundreds of thousands, and they're not about to go switch the entire way that their product works because they can't. And so you have to build that philosophy of constant reinvention in from day one, right? Of being willing to be like, actually, we're going to like, this product is going to change meaningfully as you use it. Because I think you'll notice a lot of the software that you're using, like, I think the Gmail example is a recent, a big one. And I think Gmail is an incredible product. I use Gmail, but like, it doesn't change often at all. (laughs) And like, they recently had a design change where they like rounded some of the edges, like changed some of the colors. And it was like huge news, like none of the functionality changed at all, but like, just like design aesthetics. And then you have other products where, um, and again, going back to video games is a great example where if I log into, you know, World of Warcraft, which I not a, I don't play, but let's use it as an example, over the life of its development cycle, and I wait th- three months between logins, the game has like fundamentally shifted in those three months, or some products where it's like, if I skip two macOS iterations, and then I update, you know, from macOS, whatever the three years ago one was to Ventura, I think is a modern one, it's a very different, like, generally experience, same with my iPhone. Um, so it really is like a product by product or company by company, like cultural philosophy on, on that. One question. Why did you name Tatum Tatum? I mean, does Tatum have a name, uh, a meaning or something? Rich Barton, the founder of Zillow, Expedia, um, and I think Glassdoor co-founder of all of them or founder. Um, he had a, he has a rule that is always pick a name that's two syllables, doesn't mean anything. And then you can afford the domain like .com. And that's really Tatum, which I just kind of thought of it. And it had a nice like sound. And then when I Googled it, it was available and it's like memorable. It's, it was still not cheap for that. Cause it's like five letter domain. Um, so it was like yep. a couple, you know, almost 10,000, 7,000, I think. Um, but it was still within the realm of like, I could afford to buy that, which I did with my own money. Um, and that's kind of how the name stuck. I love the name though. I'm a big fan. Okay. Yeah, it's easy to spell. That's that's my yeah. main requirement. The, the radio <laughs> test know? is another one, which you definitely want. You know, if I say it, at yep. least you you could guess it. Maybe not the first guess, but the second guess. I think some people overplay that one actually because they're like, you know, well, it should be immediately able to be spelled. But like sometimes, if it's from seeing it that you know those, right? Like if you think of even something like Microsoft, like, well, maybe that if you had never seen that word written out or, okay, that's a bad example. Microsoft is easy to say, but <laughs> you get the idea where some of these you're like, I wouldn't necessarily know how to spell that until you see it once. And then it like clicks and you probably would have guessed it one or two tries on Google. In starting Tatum, now that you have a little bit of time and you've gotten the product kind of out in a, an initial form and starting to get users and people using it, if you look back and say, you know, what was what was one of the biggest lessons I learned in trying to bring this product to life? What do you think for you? What what was one of the biggest lessons that you learned in, in bringing Tatum? Yeah, to I mean, life? still learning. We're very early. We only founded the company five months ago, but uh, or raised our seed round essentially. Uh, constantly learning is just persistence. I think um, I learned a lot in my first startup of how to manage your money, which is radically frugal in the early days as a startup. You only have limited capital raise. You need it to last years. Don't listen to the, you only have 12 to 18, 24 months in hyper rush. It takes a long time to make this work. And then that learning has come into Tatum too, where it says, you know, it takes time for organic marketing efforts, like to yield anything. It takes time 
to build this product. It's not like, okay, you thought of it and it's off to the races. It's, it's iterating it to keep it simple. You're going back to some of the same features sometimes and redoing them again and again, and then on to the next one. And yes, we have a focus of speed and we're one of the fastest moving for our team size software companies, I think in the world, but it still just takes time to build products like these or build products in general. And it takes time to acquire customers and to build features up to, to your, one of your prior questions, which we touched on of, there is a minimum of like, before you have enough features, it is no one was going to switch to it. And then if you go too far, it's too complex. Or if you didn't think about those features, right? It's so there's, it takes a while to meet that gap in the market and then, you know, meet minimum customer demands, like in Clayton Christensen's, uh, the innovator's dilemma book, you know, it, it takes time for that. It takes time to, to learn what sales process or marketing process. So I think it's just about keeping costs really low extending runway for a long time and just grinding Monday through Friday or Saturday or however many days a week you work for years to kind of get it off the ground. And it takes sometimes two, three years before you really see traction and giving yourself the time mm -hmm. to, to make that happen and then being positively surprised when things go earlier and sooner than that. And you do get, you know, uh, sure. luck swings your way. I mean, I think we've touched on most of the points that I wanted to discuss early on. It's been really enlightening. I think uh, one of the things we could talk a bit more about, Chris, is um, which which metric uh, makes you most excited? Yeah. You think about it. Yeah. I think the metric that makes me most excited, just seen for my own team, is how can you rethink velocity? Speed, like I said, is so important to our our culture at Tatum. Every ticket which we call tasks, is individually written to that task and how can we really churn through and create huge product features and ship on a weekly basis or bi-weekly, actually, we switch twice a week, um, to production. Um, and how can we enable other teams to do that? And I think a lot of that comes back into just showing really actionable, easy ways on velocity, on the project, on how fast you're shipping these features out, where are they getting stuck in the to-do, doing, done, in review archive process, which is like the, the branches that Tatum has or the different buckets. Um, and then showing that in new ways, like progression bars, and then showing those same exact ideas on an individual. How long is it taking you to view a task? How long is it taking you to click into it, like reply to task? How long is it taking you, which person is it sitting on? Like those are the ones that make me most excited. But individually, I think us rethinking the way that like, progression of a project or or velocity itself like works is something that we'll be shipping pretty soon and i'm excited for there's an aspect of velocity that i've been kind of dealing with you know velocity is tied to worker lifestyle and what i've kind of experienced a little bit is in the push for efficiency and velocity some of these uh, project management uh, systems kind of they err on the side of pushing people too far right and turns them into basically production robots versus humans you know in this balance of of efficiency and velocity what are your thoughts on trying to make it so that you don't cross that boundary and turn a person, whether it's a developer or an operations person, into basically a robot processing tickets as fast as they can uh, to, to keep their velocity number. Yeah, high. I think that's a great, that's, we think about that a lot. I've been thinking about that a ton, which is how do you also make it so that this doesn't become a system where teams 
hate using Tatum because they're like, oh, I don't want to see that I'm like the worst member of my team. And like, I no, I definitely don't want to use that. And my manager's going to like yank, like whenever a layoff happens, like, oh, we're going to pick those two and like they're gone. Um, and I think it comes with going back to video games, like just as an amazing example. Like I really have leaned in heavily and Tatum will always, even our visual nature, if you go to our website and like we're very like design oriented and I think I took a lot of inspiration from day one around how can you make something fun? gamified without like gimmicks or feeling cheesy, which I think a lot of gamified software has done in the past for work. Um, and it really isn't in terms of like the way that it is like, a, you don't need a adventure or like a, a tutorial, like in, if you start RuneScape or Skyrim or something, but it comes into the way that the system works. And, and I think for us, it's how can you make that fun? How can you make it fun when a user says like, oh, you did a great job. Like, here's where you're doing well. How are you showing those metrics really simply back to them and framing them always in a positive way and giving positive encouragement? Just like if you go to the doctor and the doctor's like, you're really unhealthy. Like, you're super fat, Chris. Or let's edit that out. You're you're super overweight, Chris. Sure. Um, you need to eat better. You're going to, you know, you're going to have a short life. Um, that's probably not actually going to do a lot for me. But if you say, hey, I see that you're making the progress. Like last time you came here, you you lost 10 pounds, you're eating healthier, you're working out more. Let's keep that up. I'm excited to see that, you know, for our next check in three months, that's going to work. And that's the exact same approach that we have, like positive reinforcement versus like slapping the hands. Yep, yep. That's all yep. about the positive reinforcement. Yeah. Totally agree. Well, Chris, uh, if people wanted to experience uh, Tatum, can you uh, give some information on how people can start using it and, and uh, getting involved? Yeah, again, we're early, but already I think we have a pretty awesome product. It's T-A-T-E-M.com, Tatum.com. Also, I'm happy to just, my email is Chris, C-H-R-I-S, at Tatum.com. If you have any questions, would like a demo, would like to just tell me that you disagree with all the opinions I just shared, um, feel free to send me an email. I will send you my personal calendar link. I'd love to connect. Great, great. Well, Chris, this has been really wonderful. Uh, we really appreciate it, and we're excited about Tatum. Uh, I think we kind of learned a lot about the different ideas and philosophies behind task management and project management, and uh, we look really forward to uh, using Tatum and watching uh, Tatum grow and, and seeing where awesome. you take it. Look forward to uh, the next podcast in a month, and we usually publish uh, around the uh, first week of the month. So thank you very much, Chris, and uh, have a great day. Thank you day. so much for having me. I, I really enjoyed the conversation. And Botan, some of your feedback, it was like a UX product session halfway through there. So both of you guys are great and uh, really appreciate the invitation to be on here and hope to be on again far in the future with uh, big updates of how all these came to pass. We would love to have you. Uh, and if we get into more product management or task management topics or theories, we'll always awesome. invite you. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much for entertaining All right, Chris. us, Chris. Thank you very much. That's been great. Thank you very much for taking this journey with us. Join us for our next exciting exploration of technology and business in the first week of every month. Please help us by subscribing, liking, and following us on whichever platform you're listening to or watching us on. We hope you enjoyed this podcast, and please let us know any subjects or topics you would like us to discuss in our next podcast by leaving a message for us in the comment sections or sending us a Twitter DM. Till next month, please stay happy and healthy. <laughs> <laughs>